This is Gary by the chalkboard. My guest today is my friend, Tim Bloom. Tim, you live in Abilene, Texas, where I live. You are, you are a uh, businessman. You are a husband. You are a father. You are a grandfather. You are a mentor of men who are seeking direction in their life. And most importantly to you, I know you are a follower of Christ. So Tim, welcome to Buy the Chalkboard. <laughs> Man, what a great uh, introduction. And it's great to be by the chalkboard. I thought uh, that this might be a fun deal. And I like the old school green board. How cool is that? Get yeah. your white, get white fingers and stuff. That's pretty cool. <laughs> no, mar no markers for you. No dry erase markers. Yeah, this uh, this chalkboard idea—it just rose on my heart last spring to get a chalkboard and sit outside and write messages to my neighborhood. And so I put I put the message out on Facebook. I said, "Anybody have a chalkboard?" And a friend of mine named Richard, he said, "I have one. It's been in storage for 15 years, <laughs> and I got this big four by three chalk foot chalkboard, and it's green." So we went with green. It's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, and Tim, your your passion in life is, um, from what I know you, is to share the message of Christ, but you have a genuine heart for helping people. You want to see their lives flourish and uh, so they can live in a more abundant way. I would say that's weirdly for some people i'd say that's kind of my hobby even i mean i i probably get more juice out of that than anything else that i do and sometimes i'll just sit around and i'm thinking of people like you even and i'll just though and i won't go thinking of people it's just that there's this parade of folks um sometimes i i even call them i i have player cards and I remember how you used to uh, collect baseball cards or something. I can't call football cards or basketball cards. I, I like basketball, but baseball cards are the only thing worth keeping when I was a kid. But I like people cards. People cards are wonderful to collect. Uh, you never know what the averages are going to do on the back of the card. You don't know when they're going to go on a hot streak. And, you know, it's just, I, I, it's like my phone has in my phone contact list, there's seven or 800 names in there. And I actually know something about everyone that's in there. Hmm. If I've forgotten, if I'm just going through there and I open up their main thing and I'll go, Oh yeah, I remember when that happened. And it's like, um, my, and my kids would say, and some of my friends would say, you're almost, uh, are you, well, they've accused me of being an Android in that manner. And sometimes, cause I don't forget things very well. Hmm. So I like that though. I, I like that about me, not forgetting things, the the little things, because they matter to somebody. Yeah, that's true. They so matter. you you have you have helped me in my life when I reached out to you, and because of that, you collected what you said my card, <laughs> things Absolutely. about me. Sometimes when my statistics were low, and <laughs> You know, if, if we're going to continue with that analogy, you definitely helped me improve my my batting average in life because 
where I was when I first met you uh, six or seven years ago and where I am now is I'm a different person. I'm doing a podcast. You couldn't have told me three years ago that I would be comfortable sitting down with people, having good conversations and wanting and desiring to do that. But just my influence, just your influence in my life has, has had a, had a tremendous impact on me. Well, think about how, you know, all the Lord asks us to do is show up. He says, show up and open your mouth if he says to, not when you want to, but if he says to. And sometimes he, in order to spare me, spare myself from myself, he's, he doesn't let me know what he's, I get, he gets to say unless I'm standing right there in the moment. Because that way, I don't get to work out of my own thought process. I get to work out of his, which is absolutely stunning most of the time. Um, he, he always is surprising, constantly surprising. And um, just the little insights that he lets me see in people are, is, it's both fun, rewarding, and challenging at the same time because I within myself I'll ask questions and I find out how valuable community is um, to hear things from them I mean just like sitting down tonight and we'll talk through this and and we don't like you said we won't know what's going to happen this is going to be a pretty cool deal and uh, we may chase some rabbits over some hills but the hills have trails and the trails will be and that's really the christian life anyway is a trail it's not a six-lane highway Hmm. um in fact the scripture says that um narrow is the way and few will find it not many few which is kind of cool so that means you're part of you're you're part of the elite if you choose to go that direction Hmm. And, and and that's pretty i mean people say i want to be somebody well, God wants to put you on your own trail, uh, not like your trail or not like my trail, but your own trail. And, and some people say, well, all roads lead to God. Well, in a manner of speaking, they do, because he, there's not a similar trail that he walks with with everybody. Um, it's more like a footpath on the edge of a cliff. It's like six inches wide. And you got to listen. And you can't be freaking out because something just looks odd and funky, you know. I, I, I'm, and I may lapse into this because this is the way I, this I go into conversations like this on the street. I, I don't have an alternate conversation where I t- leave God out of some of my conversation and incorporate Him in others. I, I don't. I, it's not that I don't like it. I just. I have a hard time not uh, speaking now without that. Used to be I could kind of dichotomize it, but I can't anymore. It's not fun. I, I, that puts too much onus on me. I, it's too frustrating. Uh, it's more fun living in where he wants me to be. Do you find that that's living from your heart and not just from memory or the intellect? what comes from your heart because of the way it expresses itself. You just have to live that way. Yeah. I, I'd say it's even more 
I, right when you said that, I thought of Isaiah 30, 21, where he says, I'll come from behind you to tell you which way to go to the right or to the left. And so it's a quiet voice. It's, um, oh, you're a quiet guy. I mean, we've known each other a while. You're a quiet guy. I mean, I, I have a bowl that you turned that you turned made of mesquite. I, I don't see you out there yelling and screaming and listen, probably listening to heavy metal while you were turning it. It's probably a thoughtful kind of thing that you were doing because you're such a craftsman and a detail guy um, that God loves in all the, the little, especially the art, art, the artistry that you portray, even in your photographs and, um, and the beauty that you capture in those photographs or in my turned mesquite bowl. There's a lot of beauty in that. And, and I just don't get a lot of picture of loud. I get a, I get a still small voice. I get a rippling brook. I get, I get a quiet river, not a massive river, not wide, but a quiet river. Um, places to ponder. That's what I get. Yeah. Just even thinking about what you, what you do. Um, but that's, that's the hard engaging from the way he speaks to me. And I, I find it directionally because I, I remember asking God one time, I, I, I'm so tired of trying to figure out what's on me and what's on you. We, I'll see. And I went through back through the checklist, you know, kind of a checklist. I said, so what part of me did you leave when you bought me, when you paid for everything about me? What part did you leave on the table? I mean, did you leave uh, that one over there? And I've got to cover that myself on that payment plan or, but no, he picked up the whole thing and took me home. Good, bad, ugly. Uh, even the, the little toenail part over there, he picked it all up and it's all his. So he gets to choose how I'm, how my life is going to be lived. And the opportunities that he sets before me are opportunities that he gets to guide me through. So I don't have to be responsible for screwing it out. So, yeah, I, I, I like his thinking in me, thinking into me, that Romans 12, two thing, don't be conformed. Oh yeah. And I, you see a smile. I saw you smile when I said the word conformed. It's like, you're the most anti-conformist I know. <laughs> <laughs> I question everything. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But uh, I mean, that's it. I mean, this is, uh, he is definitely like you leading a podcast and me participating in a, po a podcast or in someone else's life, doesn't really matter who. Um, I'm just a mouthpiece sometimes. And my, I, and because I don't have a need of regular knowledge and wisdom because he kind of left that at the garden, even though he restored that to us at, at salvation we had the garden restored at the cross of jesus but we only need the tree of life now we don't need that access to all my wisdom and profound worldly knowledge you know that and all those guys that have ever said how smart they are, are dead physically mm -hmm. then they get to meet the one who gave them all those thoughts on all those ideas and gave them and implanted those deep desires in their heart and that's just it's kind of the way i live my life man i mean then the lord then the enemy wants to come against me 
old Slewfoot, he'll come against me and he'll want to set up some kind of dastardly deed. And, uh, but he really doesn't have anything that, that can take me down unless I want to use my mouth to betray myself or do some kind of deed because he only can respond to what he sees me do. That's all he has. He's not like God who can, who knows me inside and out and from his full potent position can have me covered. You know, I mean, that's kind of cool. So I do thank the Lord for that. I mean, I, I don't know all of my, I, I, even when I go back and I look through my life now, as I look back, I'm seeing now where he really was connected up with me, but I had no clue what I was listening for, hearing for. I didn't have a clue. Yeah. Yeah. It's when I'm talking to guys like you, though, I'm reminded of how good he was to come into my life and begin to speak to me because, but until you have other people that are pursuing those same passions individually, it's like, you can look at somebody else's trail, but you don't get to mimic. You can mimic the trail a little bit, maybe how you're going to walk on a certain part of it, but the trail is still your trail and nobody gets to walk it for you, but you can still walk side by side on two separate trails but the cool thing is how God brings you towards his ultimate passion and desire for us. Um, yeah. And that's kind of cool to me. You know, I, I, I love that illustration one, just because I grew up in Alaska and spent a lot of time on trails. Um, <laughs> but two, because of just becoming aware of things that if two people are walking down the same trail side by side, their experiences are unique to them. They're going to both yes. have and see things. The other one will not see this. Nobody sees the same thing the same way because you're, you're at a very unique vantage point in the entire universe right there where you're experiencing everything from. Bam. There you go. And that's, that's cool. the most beautiful place to be is right where you are experiencing life as you. You know, um, I, I love John 15, five. It's one of my favorite verses. He is the vine. I'm but a mere branch. He is the ultimate gardener and he gets to prune. He's the one responsible for fruit bearing. He's responsible for how, if he wants to turn me into a bonsai branch with all his little tiny wires and stuff to conform me to his image, he can but it's always a beautiful product always to the sense of a beautiful product. And, um, you know, I don't usually, I I'm part of my background on my computer I'm looking at right now is not on purpose, but I just like woodsy trail with it kind of damp leaves and here's walking through there on a brisk fall morning or fall afternoon or fall evening and just enjoying the stroll and the being in it. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's heady stuff. Yeah. Very heady stuff. Because mm -hmm. it just is a physical reminder of the actual journey that we all are on individually. Yeah. 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 You talked about uh, with me how important your, your time alone with God is. 
like in the mornings. Mm -hmm. How important is that for you in your life? And, and how does that, uh, how does that help you and what value do you see in your life because of that? I will tell you that um, I don't care what time I get up and it's usually pretty early. Uh, I'm, I'm learning to sleep into like five 30 or so now or six, but um, I actually slept till six 30 one day. That was kind of an amazing Ooh. morning, but, <laughs> uh, but it was, it, it really is more of, it may be a verse or, um, it may be a passage or it may be just a thought. He had me thinking about somebody or, and I get to ponder through that morning and he's talking to me, but I, it's not just in the mornings, but I just love that the quietness of a morning. And I don't have kids in the house. And it's my wife and me, but you know, the dog gets up later now because he's older and he doesn't bother me either. So, I mean, it's just me and God and, and I'll, I'll kind of go through these one, two, three things that I do. And then the next thing you know, I'm just in it. And there are some moments when he is so close and don't want to leave. And it's just a quietness. Um, it's a quietness and a man and a stillness that I don't want to walk away from. Some, I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of reading a, a verse of scripture and it hits you in a new way or a new thought that he gives you out of that. And you're just going, wow, I don't think I need to go any further right now. I might be on this one for, and I've been on maybe one passage or a verse for this new thought for a few days or a month. I'm not in a hurry. He's not in a hurry. So I'm thinking, let's chill. Let's just be together. And then I'm, and just like this one, I, I think one reason why I was looking forward to being on here with you is because I'm, I'm in the presence of a fellow ponderer. He likes to think through things and ponder what ifs. But the major what if that I think we both have is that, man, what, how come life has just handed us some stuff once in a while and we're going, man, it seems so imperfect, yet I'm okay. I mean, I'm really okay. Even when life hands us a bowl of parsnips and tells us they're chocolate chip cookies. Well, God knows better. And he's not, he's not only, he's the only being not blowing smoke. <laughs> no. And, and so in spite of what the world says, and in spite of what people say, it's what he says that counts. And, you know, there are some guys that I, you know, that Jesus had what he had 12 guys that, that he ran with. There's a whole bunch of outliers that hung out with him, like 70 some, but he didn't know them real well. He knew them, but he didn't know them real well. But he said there were there were 12, and then he had one that was really tight with him, John. And and it should make everybody feel better because all of us don't hang out with 1,500 people on Facebook. They're, they're my best friends. 
No, it's not like we're in junior high anymore. Oh, they're my best friend or little kid in preschool. That's my best friend. And that wasn't his best friend yesterday, but it is today. It's a moment thing, you know? So it's kind of cool. Yeah. So on, uh, on my podcast by the chalkboard, one of the things I'm really focusing on is men going through a midlife crisis. And that's just a term. You could really say that's a term for, you could use a term similar to that for anybody going through any difficulty. But you and I both know that when men get to a certain age, late 30s, early 40s, there tends to be a high number that experience a lot of, uh, you know, anxiety and trouble in their life. Um, And I know you have a passion for helping men who are going through trouble like that also. Yeah, I, you know, there's something there. Um, I remember being that age and not not really having anybody walking with me through that. Mm. Just, yeah, pondering that way is not a great way. Because you're not pondering, you don't have anybody like God is not there. I mean, I was, you know, I'm a Bible college graduate. Uh, I've been a Christian, I raised in a Christian family, uh, but, but my parents could only do so much. And then there was some knowledge that they didn't have that I didn't gain till way later in life. And especially in the last six to seven years. And I wish, I wish I had known, holy Holy cow. I wish I had known or had somebody in my life to, to physically speak truth and really not speak truth or speak at them, but mainly, hey, hey, can I check something with you on the phone? It's not a long thing or even a quick text message. You know, we just didn't have that growth. We just didn't have it. Technology wasn't around at the time and I remember living a long ways away from my parents. I was living in Tennessee and they were living in Kansas. Phone calls were, if you remember back in the day when they had the rotary dial or the touchstone, it was stuck on your kitchen wall <laughs> and it was a collect phone call. You know, if you, if you were broke, you called your parents collect. And then that was a, all right, time's up. You know, you're not getting into a long drawn out conversation. So yeah, it's, that was something that wasn't around for me and uh, early in my career of uh, working and all that it was mainly with kids and school and all that kind of stuff and I, I did okay with parents but you know I could be respectful and all that but man I saw a lot of those same young people having the same struggles I was having and now in nowadays society I see young people writing music and worship and their hearts are going after things way sooner than I did. Mm. I mean, I'm looking at some of them in their twenties and thirties. I'm going, there is no way I was there. No way. There's so much more down the road. Um, But there are other things like I, I have, you know, probably you and I both have some similar life experiences where, well, I not only got kicked while I was down, but somebody tried to bury me like I was in a kitty litter box too. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, so the midlife crisis thing comes along and you go, and that's truly what it is. You're wondering if you still matter. 
Hmm. That's a you good don't way even to know put if, it. It's, you don't even know if you matter. Here I am at 50. Here I'm at 40. I'm halfway through if I'm living to 80. I'm halfway through if I'm living to 100. And then I'm going, crud, I ain't got much time left. What am I going to do? I mean, oh, man. It, and and it, hits, it hits like a sack of dead rabbits upside your head, you know? It's not, it's a scary season. Man, I better recapture some of my youth. So, you know, back in the olden, olden days, before we had uh, the onslaught of, of uh, porn on computers and all that kind of stuff, they, they had little things called magazines and that kind of stuff. So people trying to recapture their youth through that or maybe through an affair um, because you just don't know where you're headed. And the passion, the vision, the dream in your heart, you know, is something that God puts in there at Psalms 37, 4, before the foundation of the earth. And, and so we listen to, sometimes we'll listen to parents, but Psalms 37, 4 says, if you put me first, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, the word desire broken down in Latin day of the sire father, he's the one that put them in there. Why wouldn't he want to, to live those out? And it, well, well, he might make me be a missionary. Well, what he might make you do is let you live the career of your dreams, but he just wants you to turn it over. And through that, you'll be missional. I think we want to we want to have missions that we can go on. It's similar to flying jets really fast. But again, it's like the, the individual trail that we all walk. We're trying to get on a highway to hell. That's a true song, by the way. I think that's never a truer song written. It is a highway to hell instead of a path narrow is the path so i so guys going into that when they're in that crisis they're just not they, they've forgotten that they had a desire when they were a kid oh if i could just do this i would do this well i don't think those desires are still there waiting to be rekindled and it and it ain't over it ain't over until god says it's over not when the world says it's over. Well, I'm 60 now, I'm retired. Or I'm 65 now and I'm on a pension or got my retirement and I'm drawing off of, the, on the, off of that. And you're going, well, nice. But are you going where you want to go? Well, I'm going to travel. Well, first year of motorhoming it and you're done. You only play so much golf. Yeah, then the missional part sets in. Where do you want to be? Who, who do you want to be with? How do you, who do you want to do life with? How, do you want him more than you want anything else? Is this, that's reality. And, and the midlife crisis, it's the a realization. Let's think of it differently. Let's call it a, a, re, a realization, um, an excited realization instead of saying, oh, I'm in crisis. no. You've had a realization. You woke up. Now we can go do some life together. Wake. You've awakened. All right. He's alive. Instead of standing over um, on your on your dream you thought was in the grave, and you're standing on a banana peel waiting to fall in on top of it. No, it's ready to get started. I mean, look at Abraham, Jacob, Moses. How old everybody was when they got ready to really go live. Some people are just starting to figure out how to live at seventy. I mean, you kind of got a lot of wisdom behind you and you don't want to live that way anymore. <laughs> you want some fun. 
before your body gives out on you. Yeah. 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 That's good. I, I had uh, talked about on, on one of my videos that a midlife crisis is an invitation. It's an invitation to open your life up in a new direction because all these things you're experiencing and feeling anxiety, isolation, this is all just pushing you to something different. This is saying, all right, this direction you've been going, it's time to change. This has stopped. You got to go a new direction now. And if you open that invitation, you have no idea of the possibilities of what's in front of you. Just like walking down a trail. What's around that next corner? You have no idea. But if you just keep going and have no expectations, but just look, keep your eyes open, what comes to you is, is absolutely unbelievable. You can't imagine. You cannot imagine what aspects of your life can open up if you'll just keep walking down that trail. I like that. I like that a lot. It's a very peaceful thing. Uh, I've read one too many obituaries of guys my age who said they got through with their career and then two years later they were in the grave. Because mm -hmm. their whole life was built around what they were doing in a career. Loved their grandkids. Loved to play golf. Liked to travel. That's the first two years of every retirement plan after they get through working, you know. Um, but then, then what? Uh, 20 years of growing crotchety? No. I mean, I, I, I have a legacy to live for our children's children, as it says in Deuteronomy 26. We have a legacy to live and to be. I mean, are our kids, do our kids get, our personal kids get scars from some of the act actions of our lives? Yes, they do. There's no avoiding that because we're all imperfect people. And, um, and I, there's just no way to shield everybody from hurts because well, those hurts are some, when you look at those scars later down the road, they're just, they just look like, man, I remember when that happened and I'm not in that position anymore. You know, I, I used to ponder that very thing about when I'd look at my grandbabies or I've looked at when I looked at my boys when they were babies and infants and I'd say, God, I don't want to see the first scar or scratch or the first ouchie that they have. I don't want to see that. Couldn't they just be like this unblemished all their lives? And then... No, because acne comes along at 12, missing teeth at six. And, and there's all these scars that mark us, give us flavor and character and add uniqueness to God's world. It's such a kaleidoscope of color and people and personalities. In fact, that's why I also like James 3, where it says, well, how can you make fun of any of my created images that are created in my likeness? How can you, with one mouth, you, with the same mouth, you speak blessing and cursing? Wow. But, you know, kind of add some real insight to our per current political climate or any kind of conflict resolution. If we, it's tough to see everybody from God's perspective. 
but he certainly, you know, he, he's, he's betting on the come all the time with his youngins, us and our neighbors, our children. He's betting on them that they're going to find their way with him and that they'll walk with him, that they'll, like you said, they'll awaken into this from crisis into these new opportunities. And uh, I, 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 you know, that and people will go to church and, and sit in a pew and listen to neat messages and worship and sing, but it's more like they're spectating and not being with, there's no exchange happening heart to heart. There's no exchange. And it's, it's very sad because, you know, they're miserable. When God says, throw all your cares on me, he really meant all of it, all of it, all of your cares, cares about kids, marriages, your car, work, business. I mean, when you really get in the flow of grace, that what do we call that? Grace is that flow, that favor of God. I heard one of my friends describe it recently as like a leaf on a stream it's only going one way but he's totally in charge of where that leaf lands and you're just having to be you're just being there you can't really change anything but you just enjoy the being there and um i like that too it's i don't have to have a lot anymore as long as i have him it's it's crazy how much I just want that mm. more than anything. Yeah. And, you're, you're a part of it to be well, aware that you're a part of it. Oh yeah. You're just, you're flowing. I mean that, that the path we've talked about, the um, where we get into crisis instead of seeing those as opportunities to course correct and become a, $40,000 high-powered scope on a rifle. We're still content with looking through the sights, the little used sights on the front of the front end of a 22. No, not even that. As a, of a Red Rider BB gun or something. Hmm. You know, we, we just are so settling when he's designed to give us such a scope of what we can have that we can see way out there. Um, he wants to be able to adjust all the little fine tunes so that you can course correct towards your optimal life, optimal life. So I can't really even look at my, when I look at my house or my current circumstances right now, growing with him, things change. It doesn't really matter about your, what you see or hear. In fact, I find those sometimes can be very trapping. They can box you in very well and very quickly with what you see in here. You get boxed in, now where do you go? Yeah, well, it's, it's all I can do. Yeah, what? because <clears throat> what you see in here is all something external. It's outside of you. You're just observing something there. But what's internal as you, when you experience it from here within you, it's life. People are looking for life. Everyone's looking for life. That's what we're looking for. Everyone is looking for it. But we spend all of our time 
when we're unaware, looking for it out here in the world somewhere in all sorts of ways. And man, the options are just everywhere, aren't they? <laughs> all sorts of ways to search for life, but you find it arising in your heart. This is where it is. There's a verse in Ephesians that, that uh, I can't quote the whole thing, but part of it says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And one day I was reading that and I thought, well, if Christ dwells in my heart, I best meet him there because I can't meet him where he's not. <laughs> you know what the irony is, Gary, I, is that there are five gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, five perspectives of their relationship with Jesus, what they saw, how they perceived things. That's why player cards are so good. Um, there's a gospel of Gary that only Gary's folks can read. There's a gospel of Tim's. There's a gospel of my wife, Carrie, or there's a gospel. There's Everyone has a gospel of who they were, not about, but their relationship with. That's that gospel is, that's the one that's really important. And so I know theologians probably would argue with me, but there are certain people, the first aspect that they may not, they will not do is pick up 1800 page volume and say, hey, find out more about me. When the first introduction came in an intimate relationship through someone else typically, and it got more defined because they were continued to remain in a, in a similar relationship. And again, individual people walk in individual pathways with and, and experiencing a unique good news every day. And, and so whether it's an interaction at work or an interaction with a kid or your, your children, your wife, or it doesn't really matter. There's divine appointments all the time. And are we looking for that? Um, all the time, the heart to heart things that connect. Oh man, when you connect heart to heart with people, everything changes for that person in you. There's been a that's that's one of those scope corrections that you got another you got to see another side of Jesus you'd never seen before. So we have the we have the word the written you know it's not the the entire logos, but we have the Bible, which some people want to use as the, is that the only thing? Uh, but then there's that thing, the, the Holy Spirit living in you, the heart to heart, the kingdom on earth from heaven come down here so we can live it out, you know, so we can have an epic life all the way through. An epic life, not just, oh, I'm. I just want to feel alive. No, I think for us men, especially, we want to live epically. You know, we, we're looking for the odyssey to be written about our life or, or the experience of the pioneers as they cross the Rocky Mountains for the first time or on a covered wagon and, and exploring a new land. I, I, I think a lot of times there's a, so much new land in a relationship with exploring the kingdom of God. Oh, my goodness. In fact, Gary, I was thinking 
especially with you, I, I had this thought. I have I have a friend in Wisconsin. You two are so much alike. Um, he's very much a deep ponderer as well, and um, and writes a lot about intimacies in the kingdom that can only be found in the kingdom of God, the kingdom from heaven to earth. Yeah. So, you know, of all, again, all the disciples that were hanging out with Jesus every day, their number one ask was, hey, teach us to pray. And he went through the simple short thing, but there was so much power in those seven things that he really highlighted. And um, I was thinking of my friend, Michael, who takes a lot of, a lot of times he does a podcast too, where he's walking through the woods pondering and, and having an open discussion with God as he's walking and recording all this. I'm like, Oh, this is like the coolest, you know, <laughs> I, I could see you doing that as well. Cause you're out there with your camera already. And, um, but I think there's something in that because when things get crazy and whacked, he offers us a garden to ponder things in. The world didn't offer us that. Mm. Uh, because of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, we had the Garden of we had the Garden of Eden restored to us. I mean, the angel that guarded the door and kept Adam and Eve from going back in, all that left. We have the Holy of Holies, God actually sitting on our throne, walking through the world using our eyes and our legs to carry with him justice and kindness to people through us. I mean, uniquely us, not through a group. I mean, it's cool, but I, I, I find it more like a, uh, maybe a group of soldiers. You know, the Bible talks about the more like a soldier or warrior. It walked through the woods. Everybody had their own job. They were specialists at something. But they all were looking over each other's back. They were just going through the, they're going through to encounter the enemy. And they, and they each of them have a job to do that's unique to them. But they're seeing each other's backs and saying, for the mission, the invasion of kingdom to earth. You know, where God's world upside down kingdom comes to earth where love overcomes fear. And love overcomes war and conflict and kindness overwhelms. I mean, what we're doing is looking for the, we're looking for a fruit basket of um, Holy Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Well, that's what we're looking for. And we get to bring that into the world wherever we go. Most people have never encountered real kindness, real kindness that doesn't have a motive behind it. You know, and that's just unheard of. It's un un unheard of. And I'm hearing more and more about that from other people. So, well, it just doesn't seem, you guys don't seem real or, you, uh, you know, the, is there, I'm just not good enough for God. Well, absolutely not. He makes us good enough. Eh, we don't belong to ourselves, thankfully. I mean, he, he bought all of us, everything, lock, stock and barrel got rid of it and, and said, you're new. And then we spend most of our time, if we've been, been brought up in a lot of church, we've been, we spent a lot of a good amount of time trying to figure out 
Oh, you mean it's not about going to church all the time? You mean it's about really you can have a life every day all the time? Let's walk with the Lord? Craziness. But it's factual. And you don't know what he's going to have you doing. I mean, we, we're big on, you know, especially men, we like to, we're problem solvers. And we like to design and do stuff and get all crazy and stuff with that. But he's like, I know, I wired you up that way. I want you to do things like that. But I want you to chill, take a chill pill and watch what I do through you. Uh, you know, and, and guys are so worried. You mean I'm going to, I'm going to have to be one of them religious fruitcakes or fanatics or I'm going to do be all that? No, not more than likely not. You might find out that you'll do something you're really good at better because now you can see things that you have never seen before. I mean, Gary, as I look at you right now in that screen, for instance, I'm just seeing a guy that's just now seeing more than he's ever seen before. And it probably was better yesterday, but not as good as it is today. And it won't be, and today won't be as good as tomorrow will be because of the course corrections of repentance that the Lord takes us on, which is just a change in our mind. He just takes us on this journey of change of our minds towards him, where we'd quit blaming him for our problems when he was trying to create us for, you know, he's the ultimate letting us having our free will and choice into things. But by doing all that, then if we give it all to him, then he gives it back to us in spades and says, let me really show you what kind of life you're going to have. Whoa, you don't even know. So the midlife crisis, then, as you said, Gary, it becomes an opportunity for our best life to come. What it does say to the enemy or the old devil, what it says to him is look out because you've now. You've, uh, we're now, we've just now left the, the movie of the zombies and moved into the land of the living. We were dead men walking, but now we are alive. And we get to chase all of grace that we want. And we get to walk in a favor where we're a leaf on a river or a stream just floating along. And we have full access to everything within the kingdom. He withholds nothing from us. Midlife crisis, mm -mm. I think it's like you said, Gary, it's a midlife opportunity for the best change of your life. Yes. I think you'll appreciate this because um, I have a foundation that I'm going, that I have set up for talking to men about going through a midlife crisis. And that foundation is this. When you're going through it, you don't know what's wrong. You're just observing the effect of what's wrong. You're observing symptoms of what's wrong. But do you really know what's wrong? Don't try to change anything. Because when you try to change something, you end up, change, you end up exchanging one bad behavior for another, one compulsive behavior for another. So instead of trying to change something, add something of value to your life. Because when you add something of value to your life, what needs to change will change naturally, just like your diet. If you add something of value to your diet, do you have to change your body? <laughs> no, your body just uses that value and changes naturally. Well, if your physical body is that way, why do you think any other aspect of the human being is that way? 
it works the exact same way. Don't try to change anything. Just add something of value to your life and you'll watch it change. What needs to change will change. You don't have to change it. That's awesome. That's a great way to, to look at that. And that's coming from my experience of it. Without realizing what I was doing, looking back at the last few years of my life, that's what happened. I'm looking at those things of value I added to my life, what needed to change changed. I didn't have to change it because I didn't know what needed to be changed, but I can find something of value. Yeah. At doing a, a behavior modification exchange for what may have been a bad, mod, bad behavior and exchanging it for another more positive behavior modification is just another example of futility. You can't live that way. It's, it's so filled with legalism and it's a, it, it is, it, you're just putting a box up around yourself. You have nowhere to go, but inside of another box. So maybe that's, I think that is a true trap of a midlife crisis is we, oh man, if I was just a better, just a better guy doing better things. So I, I exchange one box for another instead of getting out of the box totally and exchanging it for a life of freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, they don't, that is a, I, that's what I see the number one thing in, in guys trying to get better is they, they want a, a legalistic way. They want to basically just want to exchange one box for the other box because it's what they know. People, they've grown up inside of a box and it's like the, I guess it's kind of like the fish in the, the, the fish swimming around a little bit of the aquarium. He goes to the ocean and doesn't, he still swims in his little aquarium space because he didn't know any other way to swim. Or the dog that, that always slept in his box during the day and he got home, he got to get out. And so whenever a certain time of the day, he always goes and gets in his box because that's where he grew up as a puppy and all the way through they stayed in the box. And if they get a taste of freedom one time, a dog getting out of the yard, for instance, <laughs> they will find a way out of the yard from then on because <laughs> it's freedom. <laughs> it's, it is freedom. Yeah. And right. And, and that's what we're really offered uh, through him is freedom. Um, oh my goodness. I mean, just saying that like that, I never, man, I'm getting a new realization again as we're talking here from what you were saying. And then that little piece, uh, yeah, that, I mean, God gives us through the very nature that he has around us, all kinds of visual lessons. Hey, why don't you be like the dog? He's not trapped by a box. He's trying to get out. He didn't care what's out there. He just wants out. And freedom is never freedom from something. It's freedom to something. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and and, and freedom yeah it, it, and it can be filled with all kinds of similar stuff but that's not a trap anymore because anything is it's you're living your life with your hands open hmm. instead of with your hands closed so everything you know it's like raising your kids i if I don't encourage my kids to go after the desires that God has placed within them and how their tree is bent, I don't want another, I don't want them to chase my stuff. They need to chase their own. That's where the free, that's where that true happiness is. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're accomplishing something that 
I mean, you gave them permission as a parent. You, you're trying to urge them out the door to walk into their destiny, not to make another trap. Hey, why don't you jump into this box so that I can understand what you're doing? And, and you see it all the time. Yes. Family businesses. And I think maybe in the older, in, um, in the 1800s and early 1900s when, there was little opportunity to go very far. The real adventurers just, they had to forsake all. Hmm. And maybe Jesus would said that. And had, hey, if you're not, you know, if you're not willing to leave your mother and your father and all your kinfolk and everybody and follow me, you're not, you're not fit. You just think you don't, you don't measure up. And, and guys will say, well, I'm a real man. I don't believe in all that church pansy stuff. I said, well, I don't either. Seems, it seems to me like every time we, I ever go into a conversation with guys like you, Gary, it, it just reminds me again how manly it is. Because, again, narrow is the way and few will find it. They, they, they want to be a man, but they want to go with a team. Or not a team, but they want to go so they're like everybody else around them. And, and so, again, we still live in the junior high lunchroom. Yeah. In some aspect, if you look at it, you have to find that completely alone. There's part of that journey. You got to walk in your perception of it. You have to walk it alone and, and find it. You have to see it yourself. You have to see it yourself. No one else can see it for you. People will walk with you, but you, you've got to walk it in that sense. You have to walk it alone and you have to be willing to be alone while you're walking it. So you can find it yourself. You have to find it yourself. And it's, it's always comforting to see other people doing the same thing with you. Yes. It's maybe in for another conversation, but it's the way of the Eagle. You know, I've been having a lot of stuff about Eagles lately, Hmm. but a lot of metaphorical things about aloneness, but with strength. Not, not, not being alone because even eagles aren't alone, but they respect each other's territories. You know, you know, they're not sharing nests. They're not building high-rise condominiums. You know, they build a high-rise house, and they that's where they bring all their prey and everything else back to that place. But that, that alone, I mean, that is manly. Oh my goodness, um, it is. Uh, again, few will find it because it is a scary place to walk it alone, but not in the presence of other eagles. It's a great place to be when you don't have to flock with the turkeys or the chickens. <laughs> you're just If you're down there, you're just waiting to get picked off. That's, <laughs> that's all you're waiting to be. <laughs> yeah, it's scary to walk it alone at the beginning when you don't understand Yes. Because you're making up all this stuff in your mind. You're imagining what might happen and anticipating it and making up stories and movies and then sequels to the movie of what you're <laughs> expecting. And none of that happens. <laughs> all imaginary, all your imaginary friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead yeah. of the realities of what, who he is in us it really is the it really is the consummate 
place to be. And, and I don't think, it, you know, as many conversations as I like having about this, I never, there's always something new yes, and fresh every day or every time I'm in a, in, in a conversation with someone like you, there's always, always something new that I've never seen before. You never, like you said about a while ago, it's never, you never know what's around the bend on the trail. And it's a surprising, it's just a surprising shot that you've got to stop and take it all in. And it may take a while. So I, I, I think uh, uh, people say, what, what, is, what are our goals in life? What are your goals in life? Um, I want to pursue him. I don't want to be afraid of the bend in the trail. I'm going to keep pressing into that because uh, there's a release which happens, which takes you, you know, on, on different airstream levels. Um, it's not the 30,000 foot view. There's a lot of air traffic in there. It's the 50,000 foot view where no one else is. I like riddles. And, you know, sometimes Jesus spoke in riddles when he spoke to people. And this yeah. thought came to me. I wrote it down a few months ago because someone was asking me about goals. And I thought, can you have a goal before you reach it? <laughs> can you have a meal before you eat it? <laughs> That's what I wrote down. So I asked him that. I said, can you have a goal before you reach it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh who is going to be the first physician to ever stop practicing medicine <laughs> or a law practice well that was some deep thoughts you go into who's the great counselor or who's the great physician who really doesn't have to practice <laughs> really i mean have people says, well, I can never forgive myself. Well, um, sucks to be you, but the Lord said, if you won't forgive, I can't forgive. And I've discovered in my life that I could not forgive someone else until I learned to forgive myself. I had to forgive this one first, and then I saw the innocence of others. The reason I called other people guilty is because I believed that about myself. It was a reflection, like a mirror. And it's one that you well practiced. I mean, we all did, right? We were looking in the mirror and we all practiced that when I'm guilty. And so most of us, and this is a saying, my, my wife says, I know this one very well. And I've said it for years, but people get angry about the things they can't control about themselves. It's a real insight into what other people, and I, I've, I don't know, I think the Lord gave that to me because mm -hmm. I had a real anger problem at one point. And I was actually in a, working at an adolescent treatment facility and a 13-year-old boy that was out of control looked up at me because I was way bigger than him. And he said something to me that changed my life profoundly. And it was along those lines. He just looked at me and just made a statement about the absurdity of the moment that we were both in. And then all of a sudden I woke up. I suddenly saw 
in the mirror myself through this little boy. I had some areas of my life I couldn't control either. And I was angry about it. And he had some stuff which he was getting treatment for. <laughs> but yet I was the one helping provide that treatment. And yet I had my own issues to deal with. Yeah. And from that moment on, my rage left. From the insights of a 13-year-old boy, I had a breakthrough of how powerful the mirror is. Yeah, other people reflect back to think uh, back to us things that we believe to be true about ourselves. That's why Jesus said about himself, I am the light of the world, and then said about you and me and all these people, and you are the light of the world. He knew this was true about himself, so he knew it was true about them. He could see it. When we become aware that is true about ourselves, we can see that in others. In fact, that becomes all you can see. You don't see anyone's guilt anymore <laughs> because you don't see your own. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a cool thing. And I probably get, and I, I get such joy out of seeing their light come on in other people's lives. I don't, I used to think about witnessing was this deal that you did door to door, similar to Jehovah's Witness or something like that, where it's really a witness to what he's done to me. No one wants to read somebody else's gospel. They want to know what it does. What did it do for you? Really? I don't want the, I don't want some memorized thing. I, I want, what did he do for you? What has he done for you lately? Hmm. And it, because in, you know, his God's performance reviews, I've, I've heard people say, man, he let me down hard, man. I mean, I was doing all this for him. I, 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 I was doing, I was, I was. Then you see yourself in the mirror. Yeah. And God's really good about that, about, hey, he said, take my yoke because it's light. Learn of me. It's easy. But if you decide to pick the yoke up, it's your ears to carry. And it's heavy. It's awkward. It doesn't feel good. And and uh, we're caught in a trap. We're back in the box again. We don't walk in freedom anymore. You know, he, he's a really good God. As soon as we figure out when he says lay it down, he means it. Because if, if you don't lay it down, you, you get to carry it. It's yours. Why do you? He, you don't need him. He's an all or nothing God. And, and he's not going to share himself. No, I, I, I desire it even in your best and worst times. I want to carry that load. It's mine. How come you would thieve from me? How come you would steal that from me so that I could provide you, my son, my daughter, joy? You know, and you're just you're just another form of, of theft. I paid for those things. Those are mine. I bought them at the cross. My son's blood. Now you're saying it's not good enough. Now you're, you're good enough to be take my place. Golly, what did you give up? Really? I gave my son up. Can you top that one? Yet, you know, you know best for your life, really. And, you know, that's a it's a that's a heavy load. And he's really good about saying, lay it down so that you can gain. In a different perspective, what you really want. So, yeah, uh, this stuff, this is stuff that I've had so many conversations about. And it keeps going. It always comes back around. 
why does God do bad things to good people? Well, most people were born in sin and were bad because God doesn't, he has, there's no gray areas with him. I mean, he equates murder and, you know, and gluttony in the same manner. It's, you know, it's all just words to him, but they're against him. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's wanting us not to be living in that box. You know, man was the one that wanted rules. So again, the Ten Commandments. Well, those, man, we need, to, we need to get up more rules. And so the Jews wrote a whole bunch more. The Pharisees and Sadducees wrote hundreds more rules to clarify. Kind of like our, our legislators, what they do with, oh, let's make a law. Everybody will know it then. <laughs> Let's make another rule. Uh, legalism becomes, becomes the spiritual tax code. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing new under the sun. We're constantly trying to level God to our understanding. Yeah. We're playing 13 dimensional chess and we're playing checkers. <laughs> and we're lucky to put the pieces on the board when he's even playing with us. You know, it just is a, it's just a different level that he thinks. So why wouldn't he, why wouldn't I want him to run my life no matter what? I mean, but anyway, I, oh man, I, I just love that the perspectives of, of the gospel of the kingdom and the invasion that it has that we get to walk in. It's all newness of life. You know, it's, he doesn't call it oldness of death. Hey, why don't you get together and we'll walk in old ways of death? <laughs> that's what you keep wanting me to do. No, no, that's walk that's politics. That's politics, yeah. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I don't know why, why we want to uh, eat worms instead of eat a fish. We'd rather eat the bait, you know? Right. <laughs> Yeah. Who wants to have some really good smoked salmon? No, I just want to eat some. Let's just eat some shad or something. No, let's eat some bait. You know? Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. We're, we're going to have to have some more of these conversations. <laughs> now, let's say that we're going to have some more of these conversations. Because <laughs> I was so glad when you said yes to this. I thought, I've got Tim for at least an hour. I think we've had an hour once. <laughs> I've got him for an hour now, and no one's going to interrupt. No one's going to walk up. We're going to keep this conversation going, and I'm going to love every second of it. So this is fun, man. This was yeah. good, Gary. I liked it. Yeah, so did I, brother. Tim, thank you so much for being my guest today. I'm always encouraged talking to you. This is going to be fun by the chalkboard. I, I love what this whole the whole concept of it. I kept, I got uh, right when you sent it to me, I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm really good about letting the old things go. But I was excited about this. I think it's a cool thing. And I, I mean, wouldn't it be cool just to not only have guest speakers here, but we say you get started and I can hardly wait to see how the podcast develops and uh, the neat conversations that are going to happen. Uh, by the chalkboard yeah me too because every one of them has been more than i expected so far 
Awesome. Yeah. All right, Tim, blessings to you. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. I'm out, brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye.